Okay, so if you guys uh, want to get comfortable here, not too comfortable. I can't imagine anybody falling asleep in a church service, except maybe guys that were graveyard ships. It's never happened. <laughs> yeah, we like it when the babies are sleeping. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, you're not supposed to be waking them up while Pastor Bonnie is preaching. So through the last uh, couple of months, we've, uh, we've been having a bit of a fixation on uh, just three verses uh, out of the Bible. Can anybody tell me what those three verses are? Yeah, we're not fixated enough, obviously. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Actually, the whole letter is outstanding. Um, even some of my deeper reads these days keep referring back to that letter, and it's, uh, it's just it's coming alive for me again. Don't you love that when Scripture just keeps coming alive over and over again? You're thinking, man, I've, I'm, do, I, do I ever stop getting stuff out of this? Well, today... <laughs> today... Bonnie is, uh, Bonnie is, when she was preparing to, uh, to actually speak from this series, Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus, um, she got way more material than she counted on for just one, one share. And so she was pretty excited about sharing again. And, and we thought that this would be just a, a great opportunity to sort of bring that, that series to a, just a bit of a close. Um, so I'm, we're actually all looking forward to seeing what Bonnie's going to bring to the table I mean, laughingly, as she said, she had way more than she had bargained for when she started doing this. And could she have more than one slot, please? Yeah. It's really good when people are direct. Bonnie knows how to do that. Go ahead. So I want you all just to put your hands out to her, and we're going to just bless our friend and, and our pastor here. So Jesus, uh-oh, there goes her sermon. <laughs> We thank you, Jesus, for the, how you stir up the different giftings amongst your people. Um, well, you, you know, your word says that even a child will lead them. Like, you know, there isn't any one person in the church that you're not speaking through and working through, Lord God. We bless Bonnie here, Lord God. Uh, we bless the work of your Holy Spirit and, and even what we're seeing happening in her in these days and especially for this time. And Lord God, will you just uh, release your word uh, to Bonnie and to us, to our ears. Will you give us ears to all to hear and an and ability to receive? And will you just build on, Jesus, what you're already saying through your word? We ask that in your name. It is just, I can't tell you, um, but it's such a joy to have our yard just full of all of you. It's really, really special for Brent and I. And uh, it's pretty amazing. We've had two beautiful days. I'm going to have to pass these out now versus later, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I need, as always, I need audience participation. And you guys aren't an audience. We're all just here as a community. Um, but... Some of you shared responses. I had sent out an email um, before I 
preached the last time, asking for you to consider and ponder some questions. And some of you sent me back some amazing responses. And so I touched on some of those um, in terms of heroes of the faith that you guys have um, a few weeks ago. And today, um, we're going to look at one of the other questions that I asked, which is about how you purposefully and intentionally in this season fix your eyes on Jesus, what that looks like for you. So it's kind of neat because there's some people here today who've actually responded. So you're going to hear your own voice and somebody else's voice, most likely, unless you happen to get your own. (laughs) But closer to the end of my talk here this morning, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind just standing up and speaking really loudly and sharing what you might have on your paper, if you have a paper. I want to focus today on Hebrews 12 to fix, and I'm going to read it from the NIV, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. David touched a little bit on this last week. Um, I have just been sort of stuck on this verse and so bear with me here as I share a few of my thoughts. <laughs> Can you bear with me, Jen? <laughs> yeah, she said, come on. <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes it's wonderful to go back, and Dave's going to laugh at me here, but it's wonderful to go back and look at the uh, language and exact words that were used in, when in the language that the Bible was originally written in, just to help us get a little bit clearer of an idea. Because sometimes a translation into English will nail it, and sometimes it won't quite capture the completeness of what that word means. And so when I was just doing a little bit of research, I'm just going to pull out one word today, and that's this word fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, And in other translations into English, it might be translated into looking at Jesus or keeping our eyes on Jesus. But when you go back and look at the Greek, um, it has an element to it that I want to share with you today, which is a little bit beyond any of those words. And that is this sense of looking away from all else to look at something. So I look away from something else to see distinctly, and I look away from everything else to fix my gaze upon one thing. Um, I think there's something that we want to just latch on to with that, that this idea of looking at Jesus isn't just about taking the whole scope in of everything around us as well as him, as much as it is as sometimes it's really important that we actually just narrow our focus so that all of a sudden all we see is Jesus. Yesterday, as as Dave mentioned, um, some of us got to go up and see Michael and Joylene Bailey. And um, I felt like it was such a gift to us to be able to say goodbye um, and to worship with him probably one last time. Um, And I'll post a couple pictures, actually, that Hannah, his daughter, took. But just watching Mike's face um, in worship and just his face as he was just thoroughly enjoying the people around him and 
and just, I don't know, just that sense of like love and celebration um, in the midst of this season for him where he's saying his goodbyes to people was really profound for me. And uh, yeah, it felt like a real gift. But I, I feel like Mike and Joy have, have literally walked this verse out for us, where they have fixed their eyes on Jesus, and that for the joy that is set before them, they're enduring this cross that they're bearing right now. Um, and I have to say, it's like, I don't think inspirational is enough of a word to contain what I feel when I have had the chance over the last year, a couple, maybe a year and a half or two years, to spend some time with Mike and Joy and witness them walking this out um, with such integrity and um, sort of joy de vivre, like just life in the midst of something that where their outward persons are literally fading away. And especially for Mike, this is true, their inward man or woman is growing stronger and stronger. And it's, it is, um, it's an honor to, to actually witness that. Brent's parents, as, as many of you probably know, uh, Robert and Sharon Bilesma, they both passed away to cancer. Um, and they loved Jesus and raised their children um, by modeling that love and that faith for Jesus. And on their, down at the cemetery near, um, is that called the Hillside Cemetery? Um, that's just up the hill here, yeah. That's where their little gravestone is and their ashes are. And on their gravestone, um, their epitaph is simply, to me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Um, and I feel like, I feel about that verse the way that I feel about events that have not yet happened to me. Um, and so I don't really know how I would respond um, if I were in that situation. But I feel like Robert and Sharon, and I think Mike and Joy, um, and others in our lives, have actually walked a road where they can speak out a verse like that and understand it and mean it with all of their hearts. Um, I was reading in Philippians 1.20, and 21. And I felt this, this is Mike's verse right now. It says, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I feel like this is the story that Mike has given us, is that Christ is exalted in him in life and in death, actually. I want to read one other verse to you in Psalm 30, verse 11. And this is in a translation called The Voice. It says, You did it. 
You turned my deepest pains into joyful dancing. You stripped off my dark clothing and covered me with joyful light. Each one of us is somewhere in our journey, and we're somewhere in experiencing either life or death, or really, along the way, this mixture of both, really, probably. We are in, the, we are in a season where we're probably experiencing pain, some of us, and some of us experiencing great joy. But for most of us, we're somewhere in the middle where there's a mix of that happening in our days. Um, And I think what I love about Scripture and I love about hearing other people's stories is that in some profound way, God's story is our story and other people's stories are our story. And our story will be other people's stories. And we are intricately connected in ways that we cannot fathom. And so the loss of Mike is a loss, not just to his family, but to all of us. But the gain of heaven, the gain heaven gets soon with Mike is a gain for all of us too in some strange, mysterious way. I was thinking about how there's some kind of symbiotic relationship between suffering and joy, which is, I think, something we could spend almost a lifetime thinking about and, and grasping and understanding. This in no way means that we try to suffer in order to experience joy. Or that suffering is redemptive in and of itself, because it's not. Um, but rather we understand that in this world, as Jesus said, we are going to have trouble. But we can know and rest assured that our trouble is not the end of the story. Um, wasn't the end of Jesus' story, and therefore it's not the end of our story. If we choose to let God work in and through this trouble, whatever trouble it is that we are experiencing right now, I had this really sweet picture Grace like sunshine, like this sunshine that we're experiencing today. It's like it slowly opens up the flower bud of our hearts. And if we let it, character blooms. And then when that character blooms, hope is the scent that emanates from that fully opened flower. That's my own little version. We could say that's Bonnie's version of the first few verses of Romans 5. And I love how the Passion Translation says it this way. Pretty soon, Jen. Thank you for your patience, honey. In the Passion Translation, it says, Even in times of trouble, we can have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And I guess that's what I saw in Mike's eyes, to be honest. And in Joylene's, too. Hope. Paradoxically. And here's where the story gets even better. In Romans 5, it continues on to say, And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. 
because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Mike's imminent arrival in heaven will not be a disappointing fantasy. Although he openly acknowledged yesterday to me that he really doesn't know what to expect in terms of the details of what it's going to look like and feel like. What will he do up there? I hope he plays a little more of his sweet mandolin music. Um, Who's he going to see? Maybe he gets to see us someday down the road. I think you mentioned something about that, David, when you were sitting goodbye. Till we meet again, or you said something else. I can't remember the exact phrase of it. We can be certain of this. The love of God that created the one and only Michael Bailey will cascade into his heart in fullness as he sees, not in part, but in whole, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's a true story for each one of us as well. I think back to the martyrs. There were so many, and there are still in this day and age, which is a strange thing to think because we have such religious freedom here in Canada. We don't often think of um, persecution in the church. But all over the world today, it is happening. Um, But I'm thinking back to the stories of some of the early martyrs. You know, almost every single one of, you guys might know better than I, Maybe Eric or David or any one of you might be able to tell me. Um, But I think most, if not all, of Jesus' disciples were martyred. Many of them had very, except for one, except for John. He was put in prison and was on the island of Patmos forever and ever and ever, yeah. But we don't know if we'll ever experience a day where that will be our story. But what... What held on to, what were those disciples holding on to? It wasn't just what was behind them. It was what was in front of them. Yeah, were you going to say something like the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this stuff of life, this stuff of suffering or trouble in our lives, It's gritty. Sometimes it feels like it's mud up to my knees. It's downright hard slogging on some days. And Jesus knew this as well. He walked this road too. Um, It is critical that we keep our eyes fixed on what is ahead or we will lose our way right here in the present. And I, in a way, this is all just practice because we really don't know when the rubber will meet the road, perhaps, for us in a more tangible way where we have to stand up for Christ or do something that really counts or matters. And that could be in our families. That could be in our workplace. That could be just on the road. We don't know. We don't know the number of our days, and we don't know what is ahead in terms of the details of what will unfold. But it is so important we keep our eyes 
fixed. It says quite clearly in scripture that Jesus was a man of sorrow, that he was a man of suffering, um, but that he's also, in an amazing way, a man of joy. It's like he held both inside of himself. In Psalm 45, 7, it says, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. It's funny, in Sunday school, we often, when we were learning Bible verses, we would often learn, want to learn the shortest verse in the Bible, which is, yeah, Jesus wept. Although apparently, if you go back to the Greek, that's not the shortest verse, but <laughs> I always wish there was a corresponding verse that was just as short and even sweeter. I honestly wish there was a verse in Scripture that said Jesus laughed. It's like we have such a Serious Jesus in our minds often, don't we? <laughs> I digress just a bit here. And he, I want to go back to Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I want to propose, and this is just this is the meat of what I want to get to today, and then I'm going to hopefully get you guys sharing here real quickly. Um, I want to propose to you something really simple. Jesus fixed his eyes on us. We were, and quite are, literally the joy set before Jesus that enabled him to endure the cross. And not even just us as a whole, although that is true, but us as individuals, each single one of us was the joy set before Christ that enabled him to endure what he did. In the Passion Translation, it words it like this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. God always sets the example, and we follow. So here's what he did. He focused his heart on us, and now we get to focus our hearts on him. In Psalm 16, verse 8 and 9, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. We see Christ, and we find joy and the ability that sustains us. And I, I just, I go back to my, our visit with Mike yesterday, because that's what I felt, that's what I saw in him. There was sorrow for sure. He wept when we left, and we did too, to be quite honest. It was not easy. But, like, under those tears was this profound sense of 
maybe joy is the right word. I don't know. But there was just like life. There is, when I asked Mike, are you at peace, Mike? He said, yes, unequivocally. No matter what our stories are and no matter where we are at in our stories, we know that the end of each one of our stories is this. Death transforms into life. Suffering will transform into joy. Night will transform into day. We will see God face to face. And when we do, oh my goodness. Do you remember what the end of our story in Revelation, what it is? What does, what does the, what's the picture that John paints for us? A new heaven and a new earth, and describe it a little bit for me. Streets of gold. Foundations and building blocks made of precious stones of every kind. Gates of pearls. <laughs> Living water coming down the center of the city. Link listens to a lot of scripture while he's driving. There's trees there that bears fruit in every season. And what are those leaves for? The healing of the nations. What else? No more tears. No more sickness. No more COVID. No more disability. What else? The bride and the groom in the new Jerusalem will be together. It says there won't be any night anymore. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun even. For the Lord will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. So I want to just finish by bringing this back down to earth because that was all very heavenly and wonderful. But in the meantime, we are on these blades of grass here that Brent has mowed. Thank you. Laundry needs folding. Uh, grass needs mowing, although it doesn't today. Um, <laughs> kids need changing. <laughs> there are demands in our everyday, in the everyday days, much less the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days that we need to survive. And I want to suggest that fixing our eyes on Jesus, our joy, 
and thereby enduring our cross is not just a one-time end-of-life event. We think of that with Jesus because he died on the cross. That was a one-time event at the end of his earthly life. But actually, he was carrying his cross and enduring his cross every step of the way, every day. What did you find? A caterpillar. Can you pick it up and bring it over? Such an apt picture for what I'm talking about today. Oh. Is it fuzzy? Do you want to show everybody? <laughs> I want to just finish with a couple more verses here, and then I'm going to get you guys to share. Um, in Luke 9.23, Jesus says to a bunch of people, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And he, Paul makes it even a little more stark. In 1 Corinthians 15.31, he says this, I die daily. Uh, what does that mean? He was leaving behind things that he needed to leave behind every day. Did he just about escape? I'm missing one page of my notes, which is all good for you guys. Dying is not just the sense of, of the way we think of it, of life and then death, but it's also this sense of separation or moving away from something to something else. <laughs> just kidding. We're not going to go into this today because I think we could spend an entire day and many, many, many days looking at what it means to die daily and to take up our cross and follow. But I want to come back to our verse and just hear what you guys had to say, which were really practical ways, and you're going to hear some common themes that come out. As, as people share, you'll hear those themes coming out of how people, how you know, many of you here and some others that aren't here today, how you practice fixing your eyes on Christ. And how you do that. So, <laughs> did the caterpillar poo on you? So, maybe I can just, can I just bring the mic around? Okay, I'm just going to bring the mic around. So, my question that I posed to you guys, and that you're going to hear some of the responses are, um, what are you doing? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus in your day-to-day -day lives? So, Sally McCooey, reading, talking, and singing to the Lord in English and in tongues, pursuing prophetic art, dance, and flagging, inspirational media, and keeping watch over my tongue. Do you guys have any? Who else has one? Okay, Jim. Cheryl Wright. I try to keep my eyes on Jesus by doing daily devotions, reading my Bible, playing worship and praise music, praying and just talking and inviting him into my day 
and activities. Alan Clarkson. I practice keeping my eyes on Jesus by daily devotions, connecting with my band of brothers, devotions with my friend Jan in Grand Prairie, and also praying with my friend Pastor Bill in Hay River. Daryl Enns, lately I've been enjoying doing this with Murray Duick. He does many listening prayer exercises on Facebook. Heather Fast, I keep in touch with believing friends, but mostly have chats with the Father if triggers start. Connie Smith, I have been practicing centering prayer, which helps me stay grounded and to keep my eyes on Jesus. Uh, Shauna Drysdale, I go out in nature, I pray in the car for the kids and me, I sing prayers over Sienna when I walk with her sometimes. Uh, and Linda Foster, keeping my eyes on Jesus is a challenge at times with so many distractions and anxieties. A daily inspiration, the Bible, and friends in Christ help me to refocus on Jesus who is my hope, my light, and my salvation. Colleen Vanderhorst, if I am feeling frustrated, down, or discouraged, I just tell him about it. I don't think of it as formal prayer, but it is just talking to him in a realistic way as if, as if I was letting a person know. Every time I do this, it isn't long before praise and worship take over. Colleen DeBalt, I worship, I study his word, and I pray. And from Mer Federal, soaking in his presence. The larger part of that is listening. Barb Brambrook, uh, centering prayer, welcoming prayer, talking to him, praying in tongues, and recently trying a bit of Lecto Divina. I am part of a group led by Debbie, and we are reading a book by Joyce Myers called Unshakable Trust and I'm finding it helpful to share with others in the group. Lillian Jansen, I listen to worship music a lot, thinking of Jesus and seeking his face. Amy McLeod, <clears throat> looking at his love for me in creation and his love in the circumstances, delving into his word and soaking in meditation on what his promises are saying to me, imagining and knowing his presence with me in the moment, walking with me along the road of life or driving in the car, conversations with him, being still and resting before his throne or mercy seat. Uh, Grace Chance, when things get really rough, or even if I'm feeling a bit off, I always find myself talking to him, praying and asking for relief and guidance. I also go to the Word on certain occasions if I need calming down. 
Jim, do you have one? Okay. I'm going to give you a hint of who this is from. I love Jesus. <laughs> Eric McCooey says, years ago, I decided to cut out a block of time in the morning to be with the Lord in reading the word, prayer, listening, watching, sensing, and worshiping. Amen. Does anyone want to share that didn't hear, if you would like to share just a way that you feel in your daily life that you fix your eyes on Jesus? Did you hear some themes in there? Like some things that came up over and over again? That's the beauty of hearing from so many of you. When I read those responses, I felt humbled to be part of a community of people that practice this so well, to be honest. But isn't it for all of us, even the superheroes among us, <laughs> um, we still have days where we need that reminder, where we need to come back to that place and again look away from all else to turn our eyes and fix our eyes and our hearts on Jesus. If any of you want hand sanitizer, it's right there in Waters and Treats here. I feel like there's some people here today who need some prayer. Maybe you feel like... Um, yes, Ayla. I just feel like we need to spend some time praying for one another. I think maybe some of us have been feeling in our week or in, in this season that it's been difficult, more difficult maybe than usual, to, to keep our hearts centered and our eyes fixed. Or maybe you know of someone in your life who's really wrestling in that way. Um, so I think Dave and Deb are going to just play behind in the background. Um, and if you're feeling this, if you're sensing that you want to ask for prayer or pray for someone, you are welcome to do so. Yes, love. Why don't you just stand and I'll just close us all in prayer though first. Or maybe can I get somebody to do that? Would someone like to do that for us? Thank you, God, for this beautiful sunshine day. Thank you for the sense of freedom that we all get to feel today. Isolation for me personally has been a really toxic thing in the past, but it's it's had to become a everyday part of safety, and it's it's brand new. But I'm so thankful for the for the freedom that you've given us all today to just really love on you and love on each other as a community. Again, we're moving into a new season with our with our home church moving, but it's right here. That church is with us everywhere we go. Thank you, God, for everything you do for everyone here. All the goodness of this earth comes from you.